0: People think of Martin Luther as the you know the grumpy the he's not so grumpy looking on this the bobblehead but the, you know the grumpy just uh, he's the he's the online Luther insult generator but uh but Martin Luther was a pastor i think the lutheran reformation it's the, the best thing about it is it's biblical pastoral thing Uh, Professor John Pless introduced me to this book, Luther's Letters of Spiritual Counsel, when I was at the seminary. Uh, He's coming down to St. Paul Lutheran Church this summer, August 24th to 27th, to teach on that for pastors and anyone else interested. I'll put the link in the description below. But I asked him if we could unfold one of the letters as a little preview. And also, it was helpful. So we picked this letter uh, 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 about—there was a woman who was— she had two brother pastors, and she—I think she was married to a pastor. She was so concerned about the doctrine of election: "Am I elect? Am I saved?" And Luther writes this beautiful letter of comfort to her. And so I talk with talk, Professor Pless, and I are going to talk about uh, the, the Luther, the pastor, and the, specifically this letter and the four things that Luther advises to counsel against someone concerned about election. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. Post comments and questions below. Uh, Subscribe and all that sort of stuff. Here's the conversation with Professor John Pless from Concordia Theological Seminary. Welcome, Professor John Pless, uh, my professor at the Professor of Seminary Pastoral Theology in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, Thanks for jumping in on this conversation. It's a kind of a surprising topic, I think, Luther as pastor or Luther's pastoral letters because most people think of martin luther you know this year is the 500th anniversary of here i stand i can do no other the diet of worms and luther as the man standing up against all these forces and if people know luther they have they see the luther insult generator that's online and here he is this kind of this bombastic guy but we're we're going to have a class at the end of the summer uh, looking at at this book luther's letters of spiritual counsel which really unfold um Luther as a pastor. And I think that's really who Luther is. So can, can you tell us about that? So, I mean, to maybe kind of warm us up how the Reformation was a pastoral event.
1: Yeah, I think that's um, very important to mention for Luther. You know, Luther was not a parish pastor in the sense that you're a parish pastor, uh, Pastor Wolf Miller, or that I was a parish pastor in my previous life. Um, He never had a call to a particular uh, pulpit. But uh, as a a priest, even before the Reformation, and that's really where the story begins, Luther was taking his turn, not only preaching, and of course celebrating the sacrament, but uh, also taking his turn in Wittenberg listening to confession. And uh, it can be said that the Reformation was born in that kind of pastoral context, because people would come to Luther, um, Father Luther, uh, and confess their sins. And Luther was trained uh, to diagnose basically three things uh, that would uh, be needed for uh, one to have a valid uh, penance. Uh, One had to, first of all, have genuine contrition, uh, sorrow, uh, that one had offended God by uh, by his or her misdeeds. Uh, secondly, uh, one had to make oral confession to the priest, which was happening obviously there. But then thirdly, one had to uh, do works of satisfaction. And uh, you had folks now coming in to the confession, uh, confessing their sins. And then when Uh, Luther would uh, begin to talk to them about works of satisfaction, Uh, they would say, well, we really don't need to do that because we bought this indulgence. And this indulgence exempts us from uh, temporal satisfaction, these works of satisfaction. And Luther was troubled by that avoidance of works that uh, at that time he saw being really generated as you know fruits of repentance and and so in that way the Reformation is begins as a kind of critique of pastoral malpractice okay mm. and um, and and then of course uh, it eventuates in the 95 thesis and uh, we all know uh, the uh, kind of the rest of the story I think after, Uh, after Luther posted 95 Theses, his own um, excommunication, died of worms, and so forth, which I already mentioned. But then, uh, you know, we tend to think of Luther, I think, then, as a a theologian, teacher at the University of Wittenberg, which, of course, he was, or a churchman who is involved in uh, uh, reforming the church, creating an evangelical way of understanding the life and function of the church but in with and under all of that Luther is also working pastorally and one of the places where we see uh, kind of evidence of Luther as pastor uh, would be in uh, his letters and you mentioned this wonderful book by uh, edited by Theodore Tappert many years ago back in the 1950s already I think uh, Luther's letters of spiritual spiritual counsel. And in my own study of Luther's pastoral theology, I've really used the letters a lot uh, to produce this little book, Martin Luther, Preacher of the Cross, Study of Luther's Pastoral Theology. And we're going to be using those uh, two books, along with a book by uh, an Australian Lutheran colleague of mine, okay. uh, Stephen Peach. Of good comfort, uh, Martin Luther's letters to the depressed and their significance for pastoral care today. Uh, Luther, we ha- we know Luther was um, uh, very active in writing letters. In fact, in the we- Weimar edition of his works, there are over 3,200 letters from the pen of Martin Luther. Now, some of these are very brief notes about one thing or another. Uh, Many are open letters. Uh, In fact, you know, during this uh, uh, past uh, year with the pandemic, and uh, uh, one of Luther's letters from 1527, uh, a letter to a pastor, uh, Johann Hess, uh, whether Christians can flee in a plague time. Well, that's a letter that Luther wrote to an individual pastor, But he certainly intended it to be an open letter and it was reprinted about 10 times uh, within within the year uh, that that it was written. And uh, I think 17 times during uh, uh, during, during Luther's lifetime or maybe during 16th century, can't remember. But Luther wrote a number of letters that were kind of open letters, but he also wrote letters to individuals, either individuals who had written to Luther expressing a particular problem, or people that knew, Luther knew, and he saw it as part of his Christian duty uh, to care for the weaker and suffering brother and brother or sister in Christ uh, to write a letter. So we have letters that Luther wrote uh, to people who were suffering from what in the 16th century was called melancholy. We would. Probably today simply speak of it as um, depression or people who were anxious and, um, you know, uh, kind of concerned about where their life is, is going. Uh, he wrote letters to people who were terminally ill, uh, people who were um, going to die pretty quickly. He wrote letters to people who had lost a loved one to death. And uh, some of the most touching letters, by the way, in the Tappert collection, are letters that Luther wrote to parents who had lost a child. Uh, and in fact, one of Luther's responsibilities at Wittenberg, uh, you would have the death of a student. And Luther would have the responsibility of writing the mother and the father to inform them that a, you know, a young son or a daughter, uh, had had died. Um, we'll be talking more about this at the course at your place at the end of August, uh, but Luther uh, had a rather different kind of view of suicide, and he wrote letters to people who had lost a loved one to suicide, and in uh, the medieval age, it was just assumed that If you commit suicide, you're automatically going to hell, no question. Luther didn't believe that. He believed that, expresses this in large catechism, that there are times that a Christian is overtaken by uh, suicide just as a robber pounces upon somebody in the woods. And that Satan might win a temporary victory, but Christ holds on to that dear lamb of God or that dear lamb or that dear sheep. And, uh, and, and so uh, Luther uh, is very tender and, and comforting in the way that he approaches people who lost the husband or father uh, uh, to suicide. And, uh, and, and uh, uh, letters that he writes to pastors who were frustrated, burnt out, we would say. Pastors who would write Luther and say, this congregation is from the pits of hell and I really need a call out of here. Get me out of here. And Luther would basically say, the Holy Spirit knows your address. Uh, <laughs> you stay there until, until God, God called you there. And uh, God in his own time may call you elsewhere, but until that, you're their pastor, you're their man, and, and you stick with it. And uh, letters to people, uh, even in the 16th century, who were having marital difficulties. Luther once complained that he uh, was overwhelmed in his uh, in the need for marriage counsel, yeah. and uh, and he discharges some of that through the letters. So the letters really do give us kind of a window into Luther's own soul as a pastor. What makes him, uh, you know, what makes him tick as a pastor? How does he handle the word of truth? How does he speak the law when it needs to be spoken? Uh, without compromise and then full severity and then when one has been broken by his sin and doesn't need more law but needs to hear the comforting words of the gospel and so luther gives this advice you know when you're broken and troubled by your sin you run from moses right into the arms of christ hmm. and and you don't go back to the decalogue to try to justify yourself uh you you confess your sin, you receive the absolution, and, uh, and, and you trust, uh, trust in the Lord, Lord Christ. Well, those are some of the things that, Luther, that we see Luther working uh, as a pastor. And again, in all of this, Luther makes a skillful use of Holy Scripture. Um, not surprisingly, he, used the, he uses the book of Psalms probably more frequently, than any other book of the bible and not only is luther quoting you know the well-known psalms everybody knows the shepherd psalm psalm 23 uh, but luther is picking picking from the psalms all over the place and he can do that because he prayed the psalms it's been said that when luther left the monastery um one of the positive things he carried out of the monastery was the knowledge of the psalms because they were praying the psalms seven times a day in the daily office and you pray the psalms that often they become part of you and you know them by heart and so Luther is always using the psalms uh to provide this this comfort uh, so that uh broken sinners get the full consolation of Jesus Christ and that's really you know kind of the test case for good pastoral care for Luther is that Christ gets all the glory as savior and the sinner gets the full
0: consolation of the gospel. That's fantastic. I want to pick up on a couple of things and, and maybe a couple of quick points and then and press a little further. Um, right back in the beginning, when you were talking about the pastoral nature of the Lutheran confessions, I think this is another misconception, like Luther, the kind of rough and tumble versus <laughs> Luther, the pastor. And, and that is the idea that the Lutheran Reformation was the Lutherans saying the Catholics are too strict. And Luther said, no, that's not the problem at all. They're too caval- their approach to sin is too cavalier. Right. If you think that you can atone for your sins by your own works or even help in that, then you do not have a serious enough view of sin and repentance.
1: Mm-hmm. And and uh, uh, you know, for Luther, you see, sin is not simply kind of a defect that if you. Uh, Simply take your time and learn a few techniques of spiritual discipline. Uh, you can master um, sin. Actually, possesses a person. Um, you know. Uh, uh, you know. You think of Luther's great hymn, "Dear Christians, one and all, rejoice." You know, firmly. You know, firmly. How he talks about being. Uh, firmly he was possessed by sin.
0: Yeah, and fast and, bounds uh, in Satan's chains yeah, I lay. Yeah.
1: yeah, you got it. Fast bound in Satan's chains I lay. Death brooded darkly over over me. Sin was my torment, night and day. In sin my mother bore me. That nobody is going to be able to deliver himself. And and so Luther is not the self-help kind of theologian. Hmm. Here are ten spiritual principles. Put them into practice, and your problem will be taken away. Uh, he is a minister of the word of God. Uh, he rightly handles the Holy Scriptures, uh, distinguishing law and gospel, and recognizing that the gospel alone is what the sinner finally needs. You proclaim the law to be sure, uh, but you proclaim the law as that alien work of God, as Luther would describe it, so that the proper work of God the word of forgiveness can be heard, can be spoken and heard in all of its divine potency.
0: Yeah, I, I just a, a quick thing. I'm just wondering about this. Too. I, do you know if there's any other like, is there a collection of John Calvin's pastoral letters where you could sort of run a parallel and see what how Calvin would have answered someone having trouble with predestination?
1: Oh, that'd be a good question. Uh, there are collections of Calvin's letters, but I don't know that any have been uh, kind of bound together in hmm. a like a companion volume to Tappertier's. So,
0: <laughs> that'd be interesting uh, to compare. You finally
1: learn a lot about the theologian when you listen to the way the theologian preaches, a, and also when. The theologian has to speak to people who are suffering. Uh, I sometimes tell my students, uh, Lutheran theology holds up at the bedside of mm. the dying, And if your theology cannot give a word of certainty and comfort uh, to those in affliction, uh, it's not worth very much. Mm. It's fantastic. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's really, uh, really the testing. Point, I think. And uh, and as I said, you see this uh, in, in Luther. He can be harsh, be sure. Um, but there's also a way in which he is very gentle, uh, uh, tender, uh, listening to, you know, the voices that are uh, crying out in their despair and uh, bringing the word of God into their ears and into their lives,
0: you you wanted to talk about this particular letter to Barbara Liskirkin. yeah um which is you thought would be a great as a sort of a, a place to dig in a little bit do you, can you tell us any about the background who the characters were and um and what the issue was and then maybe I'll read a little bit and you can exposit yeah. it
1: um you know when you asked me to do this little uh, uh podcast I was fishing around for, you know, what letter or which letter we might look at in the limited time we have. And as I said, when we're together, it's your place in August, we have a lot of time, we look at a lot of different letters. But I chose this letter from Barbara, uh, to Barbara Listerton um, it, it, because it's an example of how Luther uh, writes pastorally. It's a good kind of model, I think, of what he does in many, many other letters. Barbara Barbara Listerkin uh, was a a married lady, fairly young woman, when Luther writes this letter to her in 1531, she had uh, two brothers by the name of Jerome and Peter Weller, and Jerome Weller was actually a tutor to Luther's children, came to Wittenberg to study law, stayed at Uh, the black cloister with the luthers for a number of years and ultimately switched his studies from law to theology and would become a lutheran pastor but as a young man weller suffered from melancholy or depression and we're going to be looking at several of the letters uh, that luther wrote to uh, jerome weller uh, on that particular topic. And again, uh, I was kind of tempted maybe to look at one of those letters for our conversation here today. But uh, because those letters are actually in a continuum of letters, because Luther has to write him several times. Uh, And that's often, of course, the way it is with pastoral care. It's not kind of a one-shot visit. It's over a period of many months or many years. But instead, I chose the letter that Luther wrote to uh, Jerome's sister, uh, Barbara Liskirkin, and he was troubled by the biblical teaching of election or predestination. Um, you know, that God before, from Ephesians 1, uh, God before the foundation of the world has elected those that he will call to himself or the language of election or predestination in 1 Peter 1, Romans 8. And um, and, 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 and the other reformer, John Calvin, uh, out of Geneva a little later on would also tackle the doctrine of election But he would talk about a double predestination. uh, That God from all eternity has predestined some to salvation, others to damnation. Now, Luther sticks with what the scriptures say. And so he is never talking about election or predestination to damnation, but rather positively, God has elected us in Christ uh, to inherit salvation and he will accomplish his good and gracious will but when you start looking at this preaching of predestination from the standpoint of human logic or human reason one com- would conclude if God elects some to salvation then he must predestine others to damnation and 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 then ba- Barbara Liskirchen Kirken, uh, comes up with, you know, the question, how do I know that I'm among the elect? How do I know that God has actually chosen me? And 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 this was a troublesome thing for her. Um, Martin Franzman, a great exegete hymn writer in the Missouri Senate in the last century, once commented that the doctrine of predestination Hath broken many a heart and many a head, and you can see that here with Barbara. You know, we don't have uh, Barbara's letter. Not sure exactly how Luther, uh, um, you know, had heard of her struggles, but uh, he's addressing this struggle on predestination, and it's instructive to note how he does that. Um, that uh, this is a doctrine that ought actually to provide utmost comfort for the Christian. Uh, That we know that God from uh, before the foundation of the world has already elected us in Christ and has promised for the sake of his son to bring us through to eternal life. And uh, that kind of frames, I think, uh, this letter that luther sends off to barbara
0: yeah we can we kind of work on two strains here too because on the one hand we're going to see luther working as a pastor and we'll learn something there and we'll see how he does his technique but then the other thing is just the content of that what luther says is is good for all of us i mean especially when when he's a, he's addressing theology not only in terms of what is true but i mean that's of course the chief concern but also that 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 as we wrestle with theology, it's not like a computer program that you just input and run and see if it renders properly, that we're human (laughs) beings wrestling through these things, and we're fighting against the devil, that theology is spiritual warfare.
1: Exactly, and in fact, when you look at that um, uh, letter, uh, Luther actually makes kind of four points, I think, here, um, as he uh, speaks to this woman
0: yeah but uh, before, uh, before before digging dig before into the points I, I wanted to say that uh, th- th- where luther says i know all about this affliction i was myself brought to the brink of eternal death by it yeah so this is it's not like luther's addressing a struggle that he never had here sometimes the pastor has to address struggles that he doesn't know about but this is this is not one of those cases luther knows this battle with this how tempting the doctrine of election is to put us right to the edge of despair
1: them. Exactly. And, and uh, uh, you know, Luther begins here by calling the thing what it is, an affliction. Mm. Uh, an affliction is something that is literally inflicted on you. It's forced on you. Uh, and he says he's endured that too. Uh, you know, when I read the letters, I often am reminded of Paul's language in 2 Corinthians 1 where Paul says that you know we are comforting you with the comfort that we ourselves have received. And so Luther is not an outsider here. He's not uh, you know, kind of the coach standing off on the sidelines telling you how to do it. He's, he's one who has, it, it's a lived theology. Uh, of course, all kinds of things we as pastors uh, never experienced because of our own life circumstances. And that would have been true for Luther too. But there are all kinds of things we do experience. We, we do know something about uh, the tenacity and the power of the evil one uh, to, as he continues to uh, play with the mind and attempt to draw us away from Christ. And, and so Luther in the letter is actually making a uh, kind of an identification with this woman, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that um, um, in counseling in general, and I think probably also in spiritual counseling or pastoral counseling, uh, we often talk about students uh, developing a kind of point of contact. Um, You know, I need to know that the person who is speaking to me uh, actually has, is authentic here, you know, that he actually kind of knows what he's talking about. He's not just talking in, in theory. And, and that's true for Luther. Uh, it, it, this is a very you know, the pastoral theology. is a very practical undertaking. Because he's bringing the word of God, which he himself has received, which has comforted him uh, to bear on the lives of those that he is now tending to.
0: You said his four points. of Luther's first point, he, I'll, I'll just read a couple of lines here. It's great. First, you must firmly fix in your mind the, convinc- the conviction that such thoughts as yours are assuredly the suggestions and fiery darts of the wretched devil. The scriptures declare, Proverbs 7, he who searches out the lofty things of majesty will be cast down. Now, such thoughts as yours are a vain searching into the majesty of God and a prying into his secret providence this is a theme that comes up all the time in luther uh, that we don't if we are bound to the scriptures we don't we don't start speculating about the things that the lord hasn't revealed to us we let the hidden things belong to the lord and we reveal, we concern ourselves with the revealed things and that there's a spiritual danger in trying to s- seek after the stuff that's not given to us
1: exactly and this is why Luther will talk about, uh, I mean, Luther uses a number of ways to talk about this. God in hiding, Latin term, dea absconditus," um, uh, God who is unknowable, naked deity even, you know? and Luther says you avoid all of that. Um, because when God goes in hiding, you're simply not going to be able to penetrate that hiddenness, so, you know. Uh, when kids play hide-and-seek, they all know if they search long enough, they'll find the one who's hiding. But not so with God. When God hides himself, he ain't going to be found. Uh, he will not be found. And and Luther will even talk about that in other places, like running into a bronze wall, you're not going to be able to get through it. Hmm. you. In fact, you'll break your neck trying to, to do that. But we're not to try to transcend ourselves and through speculation through human reason mystical mystical experience whatever try to find a god who is in hiding and a god who has not revealed to us you know why it is that some are actually lost even though he wills that all come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved Uh, You're not going to find an answer to that. So in this first point in the letter, uh, Luther is telling Barbara, recognize this as a temptation. Now, where do temptations come from? Not from God, but ultimately from the father of lies. And so Luther says, this is a fiery dart. Uh, That's the kind of language that... uh, Paul uses in Ephesians six to talk about the way that Satan is attacking uh, uh, the Christian, literally trying to inflame, incinerate the Christian with these lies. And so it, it, it it's a lie. You recognize it as a demonic lie. That you should be speculating about whether or not God has predestined you. Now He's going to give you know sure and certain areas.